This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. Two of London's more interesting people join us this morning, as they often do on Wednesday mornings. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, and both of them uh, active political minds. I think that's a fair thing to say by way of describing who they are and why they're here. And this is a little segment of the program we call Left, Right, and Center, in which we take a look at some of the issues of the day. And uh, Bob's nominally on the right, just nominally on the left, and I'm nominally in the center, but we freely exchange positions as the issues warrant. So we hope that makes it uh, even a little more interesting for you. Guys, I want to ask you about Monday night, just sort of in a general sense, and we don't talk municipal politics a lot on this program, but uh, what do you make of what happened on Monday, and what do you think it, it holds for the future? Jeff, I know you, you follow municipal politics fairly closely. What do you think about Monday night? Uh, well, I guess uh, Monday night, um, and, and this has been hashed over uh, all over the place, but not not a lot changed, I don't think. Um, and that's very interesting considering all that we've seen in the last three years. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't really know a lot about the ideologies of the new folks. I guess Paul, I think, would be a right winger. Um, the other new councillors, I'm not sure if they have uh, if they're associated with an ideology one way or another. Um, so I expect that things are not going to be that different in terms of the direction of the city uh, than it was beforehand. I'm I'm hopeful that um, Tom Gosnell is going to sort of bring uh, some stability to uh, the meetings and uh, get things speeded up somewhat and uh, get them uh, on with making decisions and uh, and uh, moving on. And uh, I hope that we stop hearing this language about uh, we all have to be team players, although I remember one of the councillors saying that on uh, sometime recently, and, I, and again, I just hope they get beyond this thing about how, you know, you, if you have a if you have a dissent, if you don't agree with the majority, somehow you're not a team player, you're not loyal. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Tom will assist Anne Marie to uh, to uh, uh, have meetings where you can have a respectful dissent and you can have a reasonable opportunity to debate issues, but then you shut her down, you have a vote, and you're done, and you move on to the next issue. Bob, what do you what did you make of what you saw? I was interested in your comment, your own comment, Jim. I think you made it either on or the day after the election. Yeah, you talked about, uh, you said Londoners did vote for a change, uh, but our electoral system did not allow it to happen. Um, I've been in the business of politics for a while, and one thing I think people always underestimate, never realize the incredible power of it, and that's the power of incumbency. Mm -hmm. um, this is not a sinister thing. It's not a plot to, to get us or anything like this. It's generally the way things, the way the inertia of the system works. Um, you know, when, when someone's elected, they have a tremendous advantage over a person who's running for the first time. Um, in effect, they're, they're campaigning for their whole term of their office. Mm -hmm. People get to see them on television. People get to see them on the cable cast if they watch, in this case, the municipal uh, meetings on, on any given night. Um, you know, there would be a lot more people. You know, last week I mentioned about how part of the job of politicians is to, to go around, shake hands, schmooze, and, and yep. do a lot of those public events. And, you know, that affects a lot of people. Oh, I voted for Ms. DeSico because, well, she shook my hand one day and she was a very nice lady. Yep. You know, and that could be it. And they sure. never met the other person. So these things have a tremendous weight 
Um, and it's very hard for a lot of people to, to, to comprehend how strong it really is. And we run into it all the time. There's that shock and bewilderment the day after the election. It's almost like a, uh, the song and dance that we go through each election as though people are discovering it each time for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet there are certain principles there I think that we have to be aware of. Um, thinking about elections, I was reading again you know, Isabel Patterson who said that, mm-hmm. that the Romans solved the problem. Of, of incumbency uh, and that's why their empire lasted so long and they did it by having fixed tenures and fixed terms where uh, whoever it was had to be out within could, couldn't run say more than twice for yeah. the same office or yeah. something like that because the object of such a restriction was to get the incumbent out because of the power of incumbency um, and she also comments and you know we often say and we complain that um, gee, people always vote against things. They don't vote for things. Um, I think I'm going to stop complaining about that because I think it's just the nature of things. Mm-hmm. I, and, and Patterson points that out too. She says that the only object of voting is to vote somebody out, to vote some against something. Um, because governments have to be stable or they will collapse all the time. And I've come to this. This is my own theory coming up now. I, I honestly believe that whether you've got good, good government or bad government in the context of the time, that the majority of the populace will likely be disfavorable to that government. And uh, you couldn't have this upheaval all the time if a government wasn't stable, because we'd, we'd be changing governments mm-hmm. and turning direction all the well, time. People talk about government by referendum. They go, well, why don't we just every time something comes up, let's have everybody vote on it. Right. It's a recipe for chaos. Now, this leads to a second problem, though, and that's to the problem of totalitarianism. Uh, you know, America gets criticized all the time for supporting evil regimes because they prefer stability to freedom in a certain instance or case, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, so you get into that situation, and when, when, when does the government actually become corrupt enough that it can't stand, you know? But that's, that's a more universal issue. But um, another issue with respect to the mayoralty race, I think that Tom Gosnell affected the outcome more than anybody wanted to suggest. I think there's two camps of voters out there. And I was discussing this before the election, mm-hmm. and, and I actually thought it would be a wider spread than it was. I, I, I wouldn't answer your question last week as to who I thought mm-hmm. would be the, the winner, but all three, uh, Steve Garrison, myself, and uh, Jeff here, we met out in the hall afterwards. We all agreed it would come out the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of the people, and I heard uh, someone on the radio say that this morning, voted Gosnell DeSico, thinking that this was balance. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah, and that, 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 that's the most consistent comment I've heard right. about voting since the election. Yeah. And and it's just like what you usually see. Ontario is not in that situation right now because we've got liberal, liberal. But most often you'll see a, a flip of, you know, we'll support conservative, federally, liberal, mm-hmm. provincially, or vice versa. Because a lot of people vote for, quote, balanced. They don't want to see too much power in one hand. On the other hand, you had a group of people who liked the idea of or seeing Gosnell and Minor as a team, you know, working together, mm-hmm. going in a common goal. I think more people get worried about teamwork than they do well, <laughs> about gonna, having that balance. We've heard think, a lot of talk about the old boys yeah, network mm-hmm. relative to those two guys. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult to say whether Minor really benefited from Gosnell's being in the race. I don't think he did. Jeff, and, let me ask you about that, because this certainly has been uh, the talk of a lot of... Uh, or the, subject of a lot of talk before the election and since the election with people who follow politics closely and that's the uh, what they call the Gosnell effect that that uh, many people now think and in hindsight it's always 2020 but think that that Vaughn's campaign may have been doomed from the start simply because Tom was running for board of control and that all the people who said 
I like Anne Marie, but I'm a little worried about her business background or but I'm a little worried about she didn't do this or doing something else but I like Anne Marie because that's what we heard all the time that maybe this sort of gave those folks an out and said well I like her but I don't like this and this and this but Tom will fix all that so I'm going to vote for her again and I'm going to vote for Tom too gave me an out I have to tell you that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no I think that that's that's quite true and and I think that uh, Bob is quite right that we do like balance that we we are always distrustful uh, as a society of going too far in one direction or another and I think that uh, we did see that uh, that this would be the, the yin and the yang if you like and uh, uh, the, the difficulty of course now is going to be how that working relationship evolves and and I think that you know certainly Tom's been around long enough that he'll I, I hope see himself as kind of the elder statesperson if you like that he hasn't got his finger on the uh, on the the, the uh, throttle at this point uh, that that is Anne Marie's job but that certainly he and we talked a bit about this last week he's the guy who's the consummate uh, bringer together of people uh, around issues that uh, he's the guy who's willing to do the power lunches and do the meetings scrums in the hall and all that kind of stuff to to get support for things and do the wheeling and dealing um, th- that we talked about a bit about last week as being um, at, at an extreme, uh, unsavory, but at a um, at a starting level, necessary if you're going to uh, have um, if you're going to move forward on things. If you're not just going to be bashing heads all the time about issues, so so I think that's a good thing. Although the thing that I just can't get over, though, you know, there's a saying about how all politics is local politics, and yet we still only had 35 percent of the people come out, and I just don't get that at all. This is News Talk 1290 CJBK Talk of the Town on our regular Wednesday political roundtable with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, left, right, and center. And we're going to pause for a second. We will return after we remind you that our lines are open. If you'd care to join our discussion, we're always pleased to hear from you at 643 1290. Thought provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. This is Left, Right, and Center. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz with us today. We're talking about politics, about uh, the um, the local races here, and perhaps what some of them meant. I want to turn our focus for a moment or two to uh, the Liberal Convention, which is coming up uh, is imminent here oh, this weekend. Before you do, can I just yeah. make one more comment sure on can. municipal? There were there were some questions on the ballot regarding the size of council and board of control. Well, we don't talk about them on the show because they're both nonsense. Oh well, <laughs> it's just that I was surprised that so many people would vote not to have a vote. With respect to board of control, well, yes, and that's so, all they were doing. And so many people would vote having no, absolutely no idea what what the vote meant. I can't tell you how many people have asked me, uh, you know, what's uh, what what is that all about? Or afterwards, people have said, I've said several of them, have said, oh yeah, I voted against board of control. And my, my I always my question always is why? He says, well, because we you know we don't need to spend that money. Let we need to save the money. We're and still going to have the board. Well, of course it just we won't be voted of for. Course that's we are. all that that's, you're doing. Of course we are. It's not going <laughs> to save a penny. And once I explain that to people, usually they go. Gee, I didn't know that. Well, I, I would have changed my vote. But we had, interesting? we had a ton of people who voted that way, and I'm sure most of them really did not comprehend what they were voting for. And, and you know, another thing I find always interesting in uh, while the election count is going on during an election, you know, when the polls close at 8 o'clock, it's all over. Winners and losers are all decided. Mm-hmm. It's done. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting how the media talks about it's a close race when it never really is because it's the order <laughs> in which you count the votes <laughs> that determines any imaginary race that exists out there. There isn't one at all. But how else do you report it? Well, you don't. I mean, I'm just saying it's one of those little uh, anomalies of reporting mm-hmm. that's kind our, of our a other, fantasy. You know? Our other option would be to the polls close it at 
at 8 and at 11 we'll announce and the not, winners. And not report anything until yeah, the end, We'll right? announce yeah. the winners at 11 o'clock, tune sure. in, folks. But, but it's not like a horse problem. race. It's not the no. same yeah. thing as, as following the horse around the track. Anyways, <laughs> that's all I had to say on that. Okay, coming up, Mr. Martin's imminent, imminent coronation. There doesn't seem to be any doubt that that's what's going to happen. There's a little confusion about what Sheila's going to do, what role she's going to play. Uh, you know, she's not going till the last, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Personally, I just, I don't figure she's a factor at all. I don't think it matters at all what she does or doesn't do at this point. But there's a lot of talk about Mr. Martin completely cleaning house in Ottawa, that the entire cabinet will be gone, that he will uh, consolidate several cabinet departments, that there will be a smaller cabinet than there has been. Uh, and I'd like to ask you guys what you make of, uh, well, I guess the quick question, do you, do you think he is going to boot all of them? And B, how can, here's my question, how can he possibly afford to have a smaller cabinet when he's got a whole lot of IOUs out there? He didn't get to be the unanimous choice of 99.9% of the Liberal Party, I don't imagine, without making a lot of promises to a lot of people. Jeff, is it possible, you know, you're a good Liberal, and is it possible that uh, that he could combine, the, you know, the, uh, the, the the promises he, he must have made with the idea of a smaller cabinet? Well, it, it'll be interesting to see, and I guess uh, uh, the, the sense is that he needs to put his stamp on the government and, and show that he's renewing it so that uh, it's not perceived as being a tired old government that's been around for decades. So I guess, uh, you know, he's got to come in and uh, be seen to be doing all kinds of things. Uh, having said that, um, you're right. I, I wonder how he's going to um, fulfill various commitments. One of them is that he said that he's going to give caucus a much stronger role than they've had until now, and he's going to... Well, he's going to do that until the first time they make him lose his, his famous temper, and that'll be the well, end of that little well, adventure. And that's what I wonder about, that, uh, you know, I, I just don't see how he's going to how he's going to reconcile that. Uh, somehow he's going to have to keep a lot of backbenchers happy, because it's a lot of backbenchers uh, who have uh, put him in this position of overwhelming um, uh, dominance of the party. Uh, so, yeah, how he's going to keep them happy, I don't know. One thing that we've certainly seen is that he's sending out all kinds of signal that he's that he's going to move back uh, towards the center or, or towards the right, if you like, on a variety of issues that uh, that the Prime Minister had put forward, whether it's marijuana or same-sex marriage or whatever. I, I, I strongly suspect we're going to see civil union uh, with next year uh, and that the marijuana law will, will essentially go back to what it was, that that whole initiative will get dropped. Mm -hmm. So those things will keep people happy for a while. Um, but as far as giving them meaningful things to do, it's a good question. I suppose the other thing is that if he kicks out all of the cabinet, at least he's got that many spots to fill among senior caucus people, although it's not clear to me that, that they will necessarily be superior to the current cabinet in the sense that uh, you know, there, are party, or there are loyalties to leaders and so on, but uh, presumably Mr. Chretien has uh, had a look around uh, when he's chosen his cabinet to say, well, you know, who seem to be the most capable people here? Uh, does, man, does Manly caucus. have to go? Does Manly have to go? Well, he certainly doesn't have to. I think that uh, that uh, one thing that would be very smart for uh, for Paul to do would be to try not to be too partisan, because as you say, he's got a lot of markers he's got to fill in. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it would be pretty magnanimous and make him look like sort of the big man. Uh, it takes a big man to you know sort of step back and embrace your uh, opponents and that kind of stuff. Uh, if he keeps him around, and I think Manley is somebody who's seen as an asset to the party. So if he if he disses him, I don't think that's going to help him. Bob, can I change focus just for a second, unless you really want to respond to that? Um, 
Well, go ahead with your question. Maybe. Well, I, I, I want to change the focus a little bit to patronage and the fact that the Prime Minister is handing out these long-term appointments, three years, up to seven years well, in some cases. That was how I was going to start my answer. Uh, you know, and, uh, I think there's a, there's a school of thought, thought that says patronage greases the wheels of politics and keeps it going, but uh, a lot of objective observers of the systems prefer the American system where you get the patronage at the beginning of the term <laughs> and at the end of the term, the you know, the people who've got the patronage appointments leave with the government. In this case, as the government is heading out the door, or the prime minister is heading out the door. He's throwing all these uh, these uh, you know lavish presents towards his his pals, and they're they're locked in. The new government can't do much about it. That's that's funny. You should say that. You just almost took the words out of my mind, but put it into a question format. You were at, you were talking about IOUs. Mm. Like um, I was going to suggest that IOUs flow both ways. And maybe he's already paid his favors, and now a lot of people owe him favors. Mm -hmm. He's in a he's in a shoe in position. It's not like he has to pay any big IOUs to be assured of getting where he already knows he's going. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean. So he may have paid them up front, paid them in advance. But um, certainly, I think it's greatly to his advantage to shuffle a lot of people around and create a quote new new looking party especially in light of what's going on on the right right now mm -hmm. uh whether it fails or, or or is successful or not you know fails uh, in, in, <laughs> well <laughs> i'm just saying either way he's going to come out the winner uh so he doesn't really have that much resistance in the system at this point in time it's kind of like tony blair in that sense that uh, although a lot of people in his party may be unhappy with him they don't see any anybody who's a viable alternative that tony seems so head and shoulders above the rest of the potential leaders in the labor party in england that uh, you know the caucus can be mad at him but so what and and you know if he creates a new set of players that appear different to most canadians and that maybe appears a little bit more to the right who needs the reform party or, or the alliance who needs the pcs right it's it's liberal again. Do we need some kind of patronage reform? Not that we'll get it, but do we need it in this country? Would we be better off with an American, if we're going to have patronage, and, and, and you can make the case it's tough to, to visualize a political system that works well without it, but would we not be better off with more of an American style? Where the, the new administration comes in, they have all these jobs they have to fill, they fill them with their cronies, but we hope also with people who are qualified for the jobs, and, and, and quite often that is indeed the case. But when the term expires, when their term expires, their mandate from the people expires, so in most cases do the jobs for the people that they've appointed, which contrasts rather sharply to the way we do it here. Do you, do, I mean, you know, I was in, uh, I was down in the States at the time when Bush was just after he was inaugurated and started appointing people to his close cabinet around him. And I was totally, and so was everyone else, incredibly impressed by the team he put together. Mm -hmm. They didn't seem to be his cronies. Uh, sure, one or two, but he had some quote balance. Yes, in that. but you're talking yeah. about the upper levels. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the the area postmasters and in all of these little plum jobs, and there are m probably millions of them in the states. Certainly, hundreds, if not thousands, in Canada. Appointments to boards and commissions and all sorts of things that are that are rewards for loyal political service. But my, yeah, but they're not good for the country in any way, shape, or form. We, we have especially a, when you're giving people favors at the expense of the people who elected them into power. But we have so much less, though, than the United States does. Like I look at with the uh, provincial government transfer, and we're talking about what maybe a dozen people changing jobs. Like 
it's just really uh, amazing given the you know tens of thousands of people that work for the province of Ontario uh, that uh, you know we're talking about some senior uh, uh, assistant deputy ministers who may go but, but we have a fairly professionalized uh, bureaucracy and uh, people work their way up through it and they're you know they're deputy ministers uh, assistant deputy ministers and so on uh, and, and they seem to stay regardless of which color of government we have and particularly to have government swinging the way they have uh, from you know an NDP government to a to a very right-wing government, we kept an awful lot of bureaucrats because I think that there is this tradition that we just don't um, politicize that and get involved. Even, even certainly there is patronage, uh, no question about it. But you look at uh, the number of uh, of judges. You know, it's very rare to suggest that a judge who's been appointed seriously is somebody who's in the pocket of the government mm -hmm. or owes anything to the government. We, we just don't do things that way, really. Uh, and the fixed terms, of course, you know, there are some good reasons for those. For instance, with uh, the ombudsman or the provincial auditor, if they didn't have fixed terms if they served at the pleasure of the government they would be much less likely to take them on and certainly in Canada they take them on very very vigorously uh, which is a good thing having said that if they go too far like a Redwanski even though he's on a fixed term he's still out the door uh, so you know, I, I I hate this that as I approach middle age, I seem to be the, the one defending the, the the mainstream more and more. But you know, hey, if we want to see states, if we want to see patronage on a local level, get rid of board of control, and you'll watch it firsthand. Just well, we will, indeed, yeah. we will. In Canada, it's a big scandal, or, or at least it seems to be being played up by the Globe as a big scandal that Brian Mulroney got three hundred thousand bucks from Carl Hans Schreiber to consult on his pizza thing or his pasta thing. Uh, you know, he didn't do anything illegal even. This is what we consider a big scandal. Like in Canada, we just don't have really good guys who are up, end up to their uh, elbows with uh, with corruption and graft and all that. We just don't have that. And and, and the better for us. All oh, the yeah, better for, for us. Sure. I don't know if that's even true. I, we just, I, I think that we hear less about it here. I just don't find Canada's press as nearly as free as the American press. Mm -hmm. And and a lot and sometimes when I dig things up that I find out happened five six years ago and was never in the press and I'm going well what, what that would have been a huge well, you know, story. We see, in the we US. see screw ups. We but, see you know what, what are the up, one of the big problems? Here's one of the big problems for as a consumer. There was a story in the National Post the other day about this airport outside of of Paul Demare's estate in in rural Quebec. Mm -hmm. The government spent 5.3 million dollars on this airport. They were getting out of the airport business, and they got out of airports, 20 or 30 of them across the country, basically gave them to the municipalities and said, here you go, it's yours. And don't don't bother us from, oh, well, you know, we'll fix that pothole before we leave. We'll leave you the snowplow, that sort of stuff. And this happened to dozens of, of airports across the country. One of the airports that they pulled out of was this little one near Demaray's place, but before they left, they spent $5.3 million to turn it into a modern jet-friendly airport, essentially in the middle of nowhere. The argument was that it was... Uh, that it was uh, oh, good to promote tourist or some, tourism or something. So we see that we read that story in the Post. We don't read the story to any extent in, in the Globe and Mail. Don't read it at all in the free press. Don't see it in the Toronto Sun. As a consumer, we stand back and look at that. Did, did we see, effectively, the government bury an, un, an unpleasant story? Or did the Globe and the Sun and the free press know things about the story that, that turn it into a non-story? And that's why we didn't cover it. To me, that's one of the great frustrations. You talk about a free that's press. That's a good question. How do we know? Or do, or are those other papers on the side of the government that's in power and they don't want to see that government? Know. No, and we you don't. don't. Know that. So you have to take it as a fact. Is this situation a fact? If it's a fact, it is. And then you but, draw but, your but own conclusions are, from that. But there are facts that. and there are facts. It's a fact that they spent the money. But did they spend it because it was next to Paul Demarais, or were there all sorts of other uh, reports? Well, and that requires investigation of further facts. That's right. But so, I mean, that's that's a sweetheart deal, but it's not corruption and bribery. It's not illegal, you know. Like we compared to some countries in the world, we just don't have great scandals. Well, shouldn't this that was be illegal? A sweetheart deal. Well, maybe it should, but it isn't. And uh, 
the other the other thing about that, you're right that uh, newspapers certainly are, um, you know, they favor different things. I guess the National Post had the story about Mulroney and the three hundred thousand dollars, but chose not to run it. Um, but but again, you know, sure there are sweetheart deals, there are mistakes that are made and covered up. I'm not saying that the things don't go wrong, but again, we don't have the personal greed. Here's a politician with their fingers, hundreds yeah. of thousands. No, you're quite right. Yeah. And and something works in our. I system. think it's all the better for the system, of as course. I said. Thank you, gentlemen. We're out of time today. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer with us on Left, Right, and Center. Always a pleasure. We'll see you guys next week. Thank yes, you. Sir,